Okay, we're starting in Matthew chapter 6 this morning. We're taking a break from the book of Acts, which we will wrap up next Sunday. We've been in a really good series called Activate, and we wrap it up with the final two chapters of Acts. So I'd encourage you, read the, read the last two chapters before next Sunday, uh, just kind of in preparation for that. Let me read from uh, a little Puritan prayer book that my buddy Todd Burgett, fellow pastor, gave to me. Uh, it's called Piercing Heaven, and it's just sort of a collection of uh, sort of a, a variety of Puritan prayers. This is from Matthew Henry, and, um, and he, he wrote this prayer that I read this week. found it really powerful. He writes this in part. You, O God, made us, and not we ourselves. So we are not our own, but yours. We are your people and the sheep of your pasture. Therefore, we worship, fall down, and kneel before the Lord, our maker. A potentially revolutionary idea, increasingly in our culture, is that opening line. You, O God, made us, and not we ourselves. That's a powerful truth. That sets a trajectory of a life one way or another, if that's true or not if we live like it's true or not. So God designed us, church. God purchased us from slavery. We are not our own. That means that we are devoted to him in response to his proven devotion to us. Anything you've ever devoted to God is a response to his devotion to you. We love, why? Because he first loved who? Us. Today I am here with you, uh, calling you to live in radical obedience to him alone. I say radical obedience because it just means this, that whether or not what God says to do is with or against what is trendy, we obey. Whether or not what God says is with or against our feelings, or our own common sense, we obey. Radical obedience is radical simply because it says we're giving the most weight to God's word on any given matter, on any given topic or direction. So I am commanding you in the Lord to live in community. If you're a Christian here, we are called to walk in community. If you're not a Christian here, let me set this invitation out to you. We're going to talk about this a little bit later, but when we get our first community ordered correctly, that is our relationship with God repaired, that sets in motion what it means to walk in community with other human beings. And many people are trying to figure out the horizontal without solving the vertical first. Today is our sort of annual community group on-ramp. And on-ramps, if you think about, you you take many on-ramps throughout the week if you're a driver, uh, and they're designed to make it easy to merge into traffic. And sort of there's there's traffic of existing relationships, aren't there? So if you're relatively newer to the church, there's already relationships that are established and going in a certain direction. And without an on-ramp to sort of bring you up to speed and signage to let other people make room, it's really challenging sometimes to get into those relationships. 
A giant overarching idea around this is Romans 15, 7. By the way, I am making you work this morning. There's no fill-ins for you to write in. There's no scripture. So if you want to remember any scripture I mentioned, you better write it down. I'm making you work in this fall season, taking the training wheels off. Write down Romans 15, 7. And this is an easy verse to memorize, but it's transformational. Therefore, so read 1 through 6 to figure out what therefore is talking about. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Oh, that's so good. That's so instructive for what we're talking about with what we're trying to accomplish with the program called Community Groups. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. I say this to our church here and our church staff sometimes. Christ welcomed us with more than a firm handshake, good eye contact, and a really good latte didn't he? That's great. That's a starting point. But he welcomes us to his table. He welcomes us into his family at great personal cost. It's no different for us. You want to give a really good welcome? It's going to cost you like Christ, and it's going to reward you. Let me tell you of a friend who was a member here for years. Um, He would have thought In years past, this Sunday, a relative waste of time. He would have thought that taking time in a worship service to sign up for community groups, which is how we're going to dismiss this morning. We're going to dismiss with community group leaders around the room and an opportunity to take a next step. Um, He would have thought it a waste of time. He wanted uh, in-depth preaching. He wanted the gospel highlighted and Jesus lifted up. I couldn't agree with all of that more, by the way. I think those are really great things. And then he moved. How cliche, right? I mean, everyone's moving. So he moved. He's one of the many who the last seven, eight years have left the state. So he's living out of state. And I go and grab lunch with this friend of mine. And as soon as we got past sort of surface chit-chat, here's what he said. He said, with tears in his eyes, he said, Dave... He said, don't ever stop putting effort into community groups. (sighs) My hair spiked up right now. It was naturally spiked up after he made that comment. I was like, what? I mean, of all the people, honestly, of all the people I would have thought who would say that, this individual would be lowest on the list of that. Many people don't fight you on community groups. I mean, come on. Like, you know, meeting in the temple, meeting house to house, like, okay, we get it. This individual went on to explain, he said, we're at a great church with really great Bible teaching. In fact, it's great Bible teaching multiple times a week. But we've been here for a year and a half. We're finding it so hard to get connected. There's more to life than learning. There's more to life than preaching in the church life. So that reminder to me, uh, is just is just another reminder that sometimes, like with our kids, the things we're doing now are fought against us. But fast forward time, we're going to be their parents still when they're 20, 30, 40 years old. I am parenting right now to have my kids thank me and celebrate me at 20, 30, 40 years old, or if they never thank me. But many times, hang in there, parents of young children, hang in there. There's coming a day. When your kids will turn back and go, I didn't see it at the time, but thank you so much for opposing me. Thank you so much for doing what you knew the right thing was, even though I fought you on it. 
Now, I'm not this friend's in, uh, parent, but I'm a pastor in the church that he was a part of. And it was really good to sort of just hear that and be re- reminded of that. So we just commemorated 9-11 again, September 11. And it's really a yearly reminder uh, for any who will listen that life is short and even the rest of today is no guarantee. We know that, but it's powerful to think about that, to re-remember, or another way of saying it is to never forget. Nothing is more important than relationships because nothing lasts longer. Nothing is more important than relationships because nothing lasts longer. Two greatest commandments, your relationship with God the Father, your relationship with other people. Those are the things that will last forever. Now here's what's curious. Tragedy and trauma have a way of sharpening the focus of that sentence I just said like nothing else. Wow, nothing is more important than relationships. But here's my question to you. Can't God rearrange our priorities? Can't God put back on the top of the list the thing that is most important without drastic shakeups? I mean, what if God could use a spoken word, an invitation, something as old school as a clipboard and writing your name down, a story, to kind of awaken our hearts, maybe out of a little bit of a slumber or stupor that we've been in? What I'm calling you today is community groups, and really it's community. Community groups are going to come and go. That's just a program. The eternal value is community, right? And some of you are already involved in a community group. Some of you will go through a formality today. You might see your community group leader and say, hey, I'm in for another season. That's an important step. I am not taking the off-ramp. I am on this freeway still for another chunk of time. And so put me in. Like, write my name down. I'm in. For some of you, this will be brand new. Let me show you the theme. You may have already seen it coming in, but we sort of have a theme that goes through the school year. Around here, we sort of think of community groups uh, kind of like college semesters. So now till about mid-December is this this particular commitment time. And we'll do sort of a mini on-ramp in January where we'll go January through late May, early June. So the theme for the school year, so to speak, now until early June of next year, is this idea of devoted. And this morning is not a call to get devoted. I'm not telling any of you to get devoted because you're already devoted to something or someone, to some things or to someone's, plural. So I'm not here to say get devoted. I'm here to sort of stir up and say, are we devoted to the worthwhile things? Are we devoted to what we want to be devoted to? Because we're already devoted to something or someone. Now, I'm going to give a lot of positive instruction this morning, but let me first give, as I started to think about this theme, and I had an idea of where I might take it, and I began to do sort of a word study, where does this show up in Scripture? There's tons of warning about the word devoted in Scriptures. Let me give you just two. I already have you in Matthew chapter 6. If you're not there, turn there. We'll get there in one second. But warning number one, write this down, Exodus 22.20. Exodus 22.20 says this. Whoever sacrifices to any God other than the Lord alone shall be devoted to destruction. Everyone in here is already devoted to something or someone. Whoever sacrifices to any little g God other than the Lord alone shall be devoted 
to destruction. The warning is this. We better get first things first or else we are rushing headlong into certain hurt and pain. Destruction. Our devotion to God is exclusive. One of the pictures of the church. What is the church? It's the bride of Christ. What does that mean? Well, it's really, really instructive. Marriage is one of the pictures that God gives to describe his relationship between Jesus and a collective group of people. I did three weddings this summer. These thoughts are fresh in my mind. One of the requirements to not rush headlong into destruction is that you are exclusive in your devotion to one another. What is God's formula for marriage? It's really simple. Children can get this and they understand this. One man plus one woman for life. That is the only picture that makes sense of Jesus the groom and the bride the church, not a building but people, for a lifetime, eternal life. That's the only picture of marriage that makes sense. That's why when you mess with the formula of marriage, you actually can't reflect back the bigger truth, the bigger reality that marriage is pointing to. Now, we all tend to cheat in different ways, don't we? You can be honest. You don't even need to nod your head. I already know. We all tend to cheat on little things. We cut corners. We tell white lies or maybe red, green, blue, yellow lies. I don't know, but some other color of lie than just the, the regular one. I don't know. But you cheat on this. You cheat on your exclusivity in earthly marriage. What happens? And there is just a lifetime of regret, isn't there? You are rushing toward destruction. So the warning is we cheat on this and we are rushing towards huge pain problems. So get your first love in order and the rest actually follows and flows from that. So that's our vertical relationship. Let me give you a second warning that has to do with stuff. Okay, Matthew chapter 6 is where we're at. Jesus talking, verse 24. Really familiar passage, but let me read it again. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or, here's our word, will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Now that principle applies more broadly, but here's what Jesus was talking about, because he wraps up, he tells us, no one, or you cannot serve God and money. Again, warning accompanies our devotions, what we are devoted to. What's the opposite of devoting? Thinking we can, no, we're okay, we're devoted to both. It's that we're going to despise the other. We're going to end up despising that which we're not devoted to. No one can serve God and money. The moment the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, took on human flesh and showed up in our neighborhood in a human body, God stamped for all of eternity, past and present, this reality that the stuff of earth matters. Matter matters. That means your clothes matter and your money matters. Food matters. All these things are important to God. The Bible speaks to all of these things. It's just that they aren't forever. 
Matter isn't forever. These things that we put our attention on won't last forever. Therefore, catch this, they aren't our true riches. That's not where true riches are found. What lasts forever? The Word of God and people. You want to invest in something that lasts forever? Invest in those two things. Pretty good bet. So, two warnings. Let me move on to some positive now. I'm reminding you of a really simple truth today. Um, that giving yourself to this gathering and then giving yourself midweek to a smaller gathering is a midweek declaration, basically to your own heart first, but also to the God that you love, that my priority is people. God, of course my first love is yours, but Jesus said the the, the, the top commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So what I say with, with my own heart sometimes, I say, you know what, my community group is me putting my good intentions in my calendar. I just create an appointment. I'm really good at keeping appointments. If I put an appointment down, I'm, my word is my bond. I'm going to do everything I can to keep that appointment. So instead of good intentions of, oh, we should catch up sometime, I'd really love to hear more about that. How are you doing? Sorry, got to go. Genuinely, there's a heart that says, I wish I had more time. Well, there's a way to just take our good intentions and put them in on paper or in digital form. One quick word about the on-ramp. Um, so today, by the way, um, I once again have four teenagers in my family. So loads of celebration and loads of prayer needed for your old buddy Dave. Uh, it's Eli's birthday, and we're celebrating that. We love having, love having teenagers. God made me a youth pastor first, and I got to practice on everyone else's teenagers, and now I get my own. It's a lot harder with your own. Um, but that means I'm teaching someone else to drive, and you've been hearing about this. Cassie's an awesome driver. We went out driving yesterday just to drive some more, and just to, I told her, I said, I'm going to put you in situations that are challenging for you. And, uh, and that's, that's to train her up, right? And we're driving yesterday, and it was a pretty chill Saturday and whatnot, but we were coming around onto a freeway, and once in a while, I say to Cassie, floor it! Like, we need to go right now! She calls her car Pepe Le Pew. Remember that cartoon character? So Pepe, I'm like, Pepe's got a pep, let's go! One time, uh, I couldn't do this in my van, but one time I reached over, I grabbed her, her knee, and I went, boom, and I shoved it down. I'm like, we've got to go, Why? Because we're getting on a freeway in the Bay Area. You do that at 30 miles an hour, your life is in danger. Right? I mean, Teslas can move. That thing's coming behind you quick. So I thought about today. I thought, you know, part of what on-ramps are is once you make that choice to do this, it's a little scary. It's a little nerve-wracking. Some of you have forgotten because you haven't been with a new driver in a while or you haven't been a new driver in a while. But once you make that decision, you've got to go. And honestly, this Sunday, this Sunday is the call to say, hit the gas. Once in a while, most of the time in jest and love, sometimes in frustration, maybe more in frustration, I'm not sure. But I'll just say this, it's the pedal on the right. Now, that's my own sinful nature, just wanting the person in front of me to go, like we got to move right now. I can't reach over and touch their knee, that's weird and impossible. So I just call out to them. 
One more thing about this. I'm learning this. Half of my instruction for Cassie is teaching how to avoid bad drivers around her or just rude drivers. There's incompetence and there's inconsiderate drivers. And one thing about merging onto a freeway that no one here is shocked by is that people often don't make room for you, right? We sing it on Sunday, I will make room for you, but I won't make room for you on the freeway. And, and this is true in churches. Let me, get, let me bring this to a serious point. It is hard to merge into an existing church. Do you know whose responsibility it is? The burden falls on those of us who already feel established at this church. A friend of mine walked in here this morning. He said, I visited our church, and he shared about some things. He said, but there's no place like home. There's no place like here. He's established here. He knew he'd walk in and get a great reception. He's welcomed here. He's wanted here. He's known here. He invests here. So this is a season for those of you who are established in community groups to make room. Come on in. And if they're going a little slower, you're not annoyed by that. Right? There's a clear sense of there's room for you to grow here. So that's to all of us who are here and established. Turn to Acts chapter 2. I told you we're taking a break from Acts. I was kidding. Acts chapter 2 is actually where our theme is from. This idea of devoted is embedded into this, and we're going to walk through this. Some of you have already seen it. You're like, yep, that's Acts 2. That's the early church. What a beautiful picture. Acts chapter 2 is where we get some specific devotions going on. We're going to linger in, in 242, right around there, which says this. And they, the early church, average everyday Christians, some of them were born again yesterday, and they devoted themselves to four things, the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. You want to know our outline for this morning? There it is. You want to know why the tagline says what it does, the little words underneath the word devoted? It gives real clarity to what we're devoting ourselves to. But let me show you a second devotion that's going on. Turn over to Acts 6.4. So the first one was the congregation, the whole church devoted themselves to that. Look at what the leaders are doing. This is right on the heels of praying for raising up deacons, raising up servants to tend to the widows who needed some stuff done. And then it says this, but we, the leaders, we will devote ourselves to prayer, and to the ministry of the word. Catch this. Leaders responsibly devote themselves to the most important thing. They don't get sidetracked by the myriad of things that are asked of them. They say, no, no, we are going to responsibly devote ourselves to what? Prayer and the ministry of the word. When you hear that NBC is a simple, we have a simple format around here. We do two big programs. You're experiencing one of them right now. It's just called Sunday morning worship gatherings. Just coming to church. If that's one pedal on the bicycle, I'll tell you the only other program we invest this much in is community groups. Community groups is the other pedal. You want to keep in step with the Lord? You want to keep in step with this church? Those are the two biggest things that we do. We have said no to almost everything else because we want to devote ourselves to the most important things. And I'm here to tell you, one of the things that that the elder pastor team 
one office at this church. We see that in Scripture. The elders of this church are devoted to prayer and ministry of the Word. We are responsibly devoting ourselves to those things. The congregation takes responsibility to devote themselves to some really specific things. Isn't that interesting? Is it on leadership to call people to do things? Yeah. Hey, this way, guys. Hey, warning, that's a bad path to go. Yes, there's, there's, some, there's some responsibility on the leaders. But Christians, average, everyday, every age Christians are called to devote themselves to certain things. There's a path for us to follow here, church. So let's look at these specific things. Verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. This first one over here, devoted to learning. I thought of different words. I could have just said teachings, the pastor's teachings, the Bible. I thought of using the word growing, but I shied away from the word growing because some of you really get into Bible study and knowledge, book knowledge, and some of you don't. It's a real struggle. It's a real struggle to grow in learning and knowledge. That's just not your forte, it's not your gifting, it's not your interest. So I put learning as the word because there's a real sense in the Christian life that there are things for us always to be learning. There is knowledge to be passed down. To be sure the Christian life is more than information transfer, but there's always learning to be doing. That's why they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Learning is also a humble stance. It says we have things to learn. We have things to grow in. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity wrote this. Listen carefully. By the way, this is a really sharp intellectual mind who at times had impatience for people who weren't like him. But as an Oxford brainiac guy, he actually was really a gracious Christian. But he wrote this. Christ never meant that we were to remain children in intelligence. On the contrary. He told us to be not only harmless as doves, but also as wise as serpents. Listen to this sentence. This this rocked my world. He wants a child's heart, but a grown-up's head. He wants a child's heart, but a grown-up's head. He wants us to be simple, single-minded, affectionate, and teachable, as good children are. But he also wants every bit of intelligence we have to be alert at its job and in first-class in, in first-class fighting trim. The most simple way we define what a community group is around here consists of four words. Ready? It's fellowship around the word. Fellowship around the word. All of our community groups have that in common. It is not simply a Bible study, hence the word fellowship. But it is not simply a fellowship time where we connect with friends. It centers around the word. So fellowship around the word. Most of our groups follow the sermon series. We don't really have a normal typical group because the leaders and the participants are all slightly different. So there's some different components to it. You're going to get to hear from each of them soon. But here's why most groups follow the sermon series. And it's not a mandate, but it's almost like, here's the norm. Tell me why you wouldn't do the norm. Let me give you just two reasons 
why we follow sort of a lecture lab format. What do I mean by lecture lab? I mean, in college, you go to a class uh, and you get talked to a bunch, just like we're doing right now. You take diligent notes or you don't. You play tic-tac-toe with your neighbor. You are learning, you're gaining stuff, all of that. But then the lab portion is hands-on, right? If you're taking chemistry, you actually have a beaker and a little Bunsen burner. And if you're following the instructions, you're supposed to be doing things and this is going to fizz at the end. It's where you are working out the knowledge that you have. You're in a group often. You're talking through it. No, I heard this. I think this is how you actually apply what we learned. That's the idea behind a lecture, Sunday morning, lab, community group, format. Let me give you two reasons. Number one, we are all called to make disciples. Did you know that? Of course you did. We are called as Christians from day one to make disciples of other people. So think about this. Community groups takes your effort, Christian, to grow and disciples and disciple others, and it hitches this effort to the engine that is driving the whole church. So you are called to make disciples of people around you. How do you do that? A part of what's going on in community groups is that you are taking your command to make disciples and you're hitching it to the engine that's driving the whole church. That is the teaching and preaching of the word. Second idea that goes kind of along with it. It takes advantage of the dozens of people at your church who were exposed to that passage of Scripture that week. So we're all walking through and talking through similar kinds of topics and ideas. Not just maybe the passage in Acts that we're looking at, but surrounding offsetting ideas and Scriptures that would support that or give light to that. There's theological ideas and relational ideas, uh, fears and hopes and dreams uh, that that are, are raised on a Sunday morning. And we've all invested time here on a Sunday, so it's maximizing that time. We're trying to take the truth that we learn and practice it together. That's number one. What else are we devoted to? To others. We're, do, we're, we're devoted to learning. We're devoted to others. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Here's what I want to draw out from that. This means specific people. It's the gathering of specific saints in a specific place. That's what devoted to the fellowship means. This is where our tagline comes in, choosing real over ideal. Devotion devotion is a choice, and it's not a one-time choice. It's a choice that goes on repeatedly. I tend to say something like this at weddings often. What you're choosing today, what you are vowing today, must be re-decided every day that stretches out before you as a married couple. It's not that you just vow to receive this person as provision from the Lord to be my husband or wife today. That's great. But you better be choosing it on year 7.3 on a Tuesday that you wake up and say, today, I choose, God, I choose to receive this person as your provision for my spouse. That's revolutionary to marriage. So it is with our community. Real over ideal. Do you see fingerprints? There's a bunch of fingerprints behind here. Now, the coolest way to go about this would have been to have actual fingerprints that only I know whose fingerprints they were, but I didn't do that. Just a stock image. But the fingerprints remind us that no two people are alike, right? No two people are alike. It also reminds us that only real people have fingerprints. Yeah, thank you, Captain Obvious. Only real people have fingerprints. What are you talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. 
Um, I have a mythical school called Dave's Driving School. Again, back to driving. Yesterday, I invited a person uh, to join Dave's Driving School. He needed it, trust me. As we were driving along, I saw a competitor. Advantage Driving School was driving along. And sort of jokingly, I had Eli and Kai in the back, Cassie driving, and I said, my school's better than yours. And right away, I caught myself. I said, nope, actually, your school's way better than mine because yours is real. Mine's just a mythical made-up thing that I talk about when I'm teaching my kids to drive. Real is better than ideal, right? I have an ideal thing of what I would do if I were teaching people to drive. I think the city would be safer and a lot happier and more fun. But I've never taken any steps towards a real driving school. So what's better than my driving school? A flawed real driving school. Let's take that to community. Isn't it easy to read about an ideal community? Isn't it easy to read in the Bible and go, if only my church were like that? It's easy to hear about your friends and see postings of their church and what they're doing and what they're up to. It's easier to read and tweet about community than it is to actually live in community and pursue it with real people. Don't forget that. Philippians 4.9. Jot this down. I'm just going to read it quickly. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, Paul writes, practice these things and the peace of God will be with you. What you have learned, received, heard, seen in me. In 1 Corinthians, he says it really succinctly. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Wasn't that pompous, Paul, to say, you imitate me? Aren't we supposed to just imitate Christ? No. Of course, our first love, our first cue is always Christ. That always is our number one model. But God graciously gives us real, actual people to live this stuff out. The Christian life is best learned, not just in a classroom, although there's knowledge to grow up and learn in, but in sort of the classroom of life. God's first and best greenhouse for growth is your home. The family you are trying to cultivate, that is God's first and best greenhouse for growth. Those of you with young children, the things you do right now matters. Those of you with teenagers who may roll your eyes, not mine, of course, but roll their eyes at you, the things you do matter. Why is the home the best? Because you're around each other the most. You get to see this, isn't, this is or isn't just a put-on thing on Sunday. But you know what? The second is like it. The second is your church. Your church is a secondary great greenhouse for growth that God has given to you, where you get to plug real people into these, what could be just theoretical ideas of Christianity. And you get to experience and live it out. This is where we get around those who are growing. There's always someone ahead of you. There's always someone that you can go rub shoulders with and go, show me what you're doing. You seem to experience peace and joy like no one I've ever known. How are you doing that? Can you just, can I take you out to coffee? Can we just have one conversation on this? What are you actually doing? And that's really, really powerful. Imitate those who imitate Jesus. That's the simple command of Christianity. We just had an all-church camp out recently. Camping proves once and for all that we can live without Wi-Fi. Amen? Some of you barely, but we can do it. One of the parents commented, they said, look at, look at when kids are unplugged, what they come up with. 
I just have visions of Tate. Tate was ripping. We, had, we brought a scooter at the last second. I don't know who approved that. That was an Eli-approved thing, I think. But Tate's ripping down this thing on a scooter like, a, like an extreme daredevil. Other kids are over here banging sticks and throwing things. And, and just everyone's having a good time. Everyone got to work and figured out how to play without a screen in front of them. It was really good. It was really just a good reminder. We all know this, but let's put it to the test. Go someplace where you don't have any connection outside of the people in front of you after you look at them and go these people are pretty boring like there's nothing to swipe i can't swipe them away this isn't very stimulating you can all be bored together looking at it and eventually you'll all start figuring it out again so that's part of the power of community group what if here's just an idea my group don't hate me what if we put our phones in airplane mode what if the people that lean on us and we're responsible for, if they're in that room, what if for an hour and a half, once a week, we just put on airplane mode to say, God, help us to connect right now. Help us to not be distracted by dings and bells and whistles and notifications that don't concern me right now. Help me to be single focused right now here for an hour and a half on these people. Would you gift me that? Man, I wonder what could happen. All right, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread. That's the third thing. The breaking of bread in this passage probably means both regular times together and what we call communion, which we'll be celebrating here in a moment. So in other words, the Lord's Supper and everyday dinner. In a word, they were devoted to sharing. This is a really big word here at this church, which I won't take time to unpack. But it's really powerful to think about a meal. Because a meal is something, a family meal, um, devoted dinner attenders aren't what change the world, right? Just showing up at dinner and eating and then leaving, that's not what changes the world. Think about a healthy family meal. And maybe you had this growing up and you can refer back to it. Maybe you always longed for it or you saw it on TV and thought that was just made up. That only happens in a studio somewhere. I think that happens in real life. But think about this. What happens in a meal is that every single person is a participant. No one at my family, no matter the age, gets out of somehow being a part of the whole thing. There's planning that goes on. There's food preparation that goes on. There is eating that goes on. There's passing that goes on. There's waiting that goes on. There's portion control and sharing and checking in. Can I take the last of it that goes on? There's cleaning up that goes on. And there's putting things away that goes on. That's a lot of going on. If you're parents and you're doing all of that, you are raising little consumers who think they're at a restaurant. So don't do that unless they're tipping you really, really well. Right? Don't do that. Man, we all play a part. That's the church as well. So that's part of the devotion. Uh, just jot down Romans 12.9. This is in the community group questions, which maybe you're not in a community group. You're like, I think I'm supposed to be getting in one. Yes, you are. But you can work through these on your own. Romans 12. 9 through the end of the chapter. Here's what Romans 12, 9 says. Let love be genuine. Let love be genuine. Now, lest you think you get to make that up of what genuine love means to you, the Bible goes on to describe it for us. God gets to describe what love is. God is love. So let love be genuine. That rest of that passage, you're going to look at it as a community group and just go, here's what some of that looks like. Here's what it looks like to let love be genuine. If you invest your energy on memorizing one chapter in the Bible, Romans 12 has to be in the top five. 
It's just such a rich chapter of the Bible. So it goes on to show what it means. All right, finally, verse 42 again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking bread, and the prayers. That's worth putting down. We are devoted to praying. We have a brand new community group wall out here. I want to give special mention. Where's Jen? Jen, just stand up for a second. Uh, Give it up for Jen. Jen's brainchild was this. Now, there are many, many other people who participated in this, but Jen sent me a text. I was up at 5.50 this morning. I got a text at 11.53 last night of the wall finished. Jen was here until almost this morning. Maybe was here till this morning. So she beat us all, finishing that. You know what that wall says, though? That wall says this is, this is, as you walk out of here, as you come in, this is the second wing of the airplane. This is the second pedal of the bike around here. There's no reason we can't find a group. We're making this visible and ready. Here's what's really powerful. Our community groups, if you go look at that wall, you will see our community groups are prayer services that happen all over this neighborhood on many, many different nights of the week. So community group leaders, hear me. My community group, hear me. We are going to devote ourselves to praying. We have room to grow in this, NBC. We have a lot of room to grow in this. Most of us can talk to each other pretty well, or we're just getting comfortable sharing and talking with each other, but we have a really hard time talking to God with other people. And yet over and over and over and over and over in the book of Acts, what did we see? The church gathered and praying. The church gathered in one accord and praying. And guess what? Things happen. Prayer changes things. Not always answered the way that you want it, but God is always going to answer your prayer and hear your prayer. He's always going to be doing things in us. I don't need anything more than just to be told, you know what? God tells us we should pray. Then we should pray. God tells us we should pray in community. Great, then let's do that. So we're going to grow in that. We're going to work on that. I've been intentionally making several passes through this passage, just moving on from Acts 42. Just look at the results. And awe came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. We're devoted to the right things. God does wonderful things. Verse 44, and all who believed were together, love that word, and had all things in common. Togetherness, commonness. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Look at their daily life. And at verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. Finally, it says, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You pray for growth. Do you expect growth happening around here? Right now, look around, church. I happen to know some families who are out for various reasons today. There's room for growth in here. We have room. We will make room for new growth in this season. And this is what we would pray for. Say, God, we want to devote ourselves to the right things and let you do the growth. You're the, you're the church growth expert. We're not the church growth expert. But we're going to devote ourselves. Our leaders are devoted to prayer and ministry of the word. We, as a church, we are devoting ourselves to the right things. Finally, I wrap up with this. The word devoted means we're in it for the long haul. One of the most powerful things Philip, the founder of Foster the City, ever said was at an appreciation dinner for the starting pastors of the churches that initially took the step of faith to sort of begin working with us. We had some county workers there at this restaurant in downtown San Jose. I just saw it last week. Reminded me of this. 
but this Department of Family Services, the head of Department of Family Services, San Jose, was there, and I was the MC. I called her up. She was supposed to speak, and she was like this. I can't speak. She was too choked up. Later on in the program, she said, I, I, I can talk now. She stood up, and she said this. I can't believe that a year and a half later, Philip, after you and I talked about this, that a year and a half later, the churches in our area are still here investing in foster care. And from the front row to a group of probably 150 people, Philip said these resounding words. He calls out, and we're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere, Department of Family Services. That woman has since moved on. I'm not saying she set down the fight, but we've now seen a couple of other Department of Family Services roll in in the eight years that we've been there. Here's why I'm bringing that story up. There is no miracle grow, miracle grow formula for causing change in foster care. It takes devotion. Same is true in your life, Christian. There's no miracle grow. This season of community groups will not suddenly solve all these issues that you think you are having and, and have them go away. God answered my dream as a young pastor. Me and Becky prayed, God, would you put us in a place and just let us grow old with people? We want to be devoted to a group, to a fellowship, to a place. There's a lot of reasons people move on, and we see that in the book of Acts. We just celebrated that with Matt and Tracy. But God has answered our heart's cry. God, put us in a place. Let us devote ourselves to them. Let them devote themselves to us. Let me have the band come on up. There's a reason that there's blood red on this. That color is very purposely chosen. You know what binds us all together? It's not our blood, thank God. It's the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ is what binds the church closer than business associates, closer than family, closer than your neighbors or your friends. It's the blood of Christ, church, that we are bound by. Now, just as we move into a time of communion, I want to give a couple words of caution. Sometimes people like me on stages like this can oversell a program. We can end up inadvertently saying things we're not intending to say. Let me say this right off the bat. You don't need my permission, a church's permission, a pastor's position, permission, or any other person's permission to fellowship around the word. You have that on great authority from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So you don't need to be an NBC community group to be experiencing all the things I'm talking about. Good. Secondly, the word devoted could go horribly wrong if it is translated from my mouth to your ears as blind obedience to a church program. Devoted could go horribly wrong if you think, I really don't know if my community group's working out in this season, but I don't want to be divisive. I don't want to be unbiblical. I don't want to be disobedient by changing groups. We talk about this all the time. Catherine's in the back right now. We celebrate that Catherine had a great on-ramp to serving and leading in a community group, the women's group, and she has set that down. We rejoice that in this season, Catherine's not leading that community group. We celebrate starts and we celebrate stops. We celebrate welcomes, way to be here, and we celebrate goings. 
We saw this all through Acts. God moves his people around for different purposes and reasons. So don't read into devoted your potential past bad theology imparted on you or absorbed by you. Let's pray. God, we are called um, to activate. It's our turn. I love reading the book of Acts and think, wow, the baton is in our hand. It's our race to run right now. And God, we've been handed it by perfectly flawed people who were filled with the extraordinary spirit of the risen Jesus Christ. And so God, I pray that right now as, as a church, collectively, we humble ourselves, we look to you, we say, God, you're the only one, to the only one who can keep us from falling, to the only one who can cause any good to come from the efforts we put forth, to the only one that we are devoted to abide in. Jesus, we ask your favor on our relationships as a church. We ask your favor, God, on strangers being turned into neighbors, in part because of the diligent emotional excellence that we're growing in to receive them well in a spirit of sacrificial love.